I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This is the Broncos and Bratwurst Podcast. I'm Kevin Gilligan. Very Merry Christmas to you all. This is Friday morning in the U.S., Friday evening here in Germany. Because it's Christmas weekend, because I'm actually recording this on Thursday, which just happens to be a holiday in Germany, uh, yeah, we're pretty fortunate, at least in Bavaria, to have two holidays for Christmas. The 25th and the 26th are church and state holidays. So I've had two days off. It's been awesome. It's been quite the week. We're both preparing. My wife and I are preparing to have our baby in February, so that's getting very, very close. We're still kind of fixing up our apartment. There's a lot to do. And um, long story short, this is going to be a rather short podcast. Um, The Skipper Dude has a really, really nice segment, and he's going to finish off the show. He's going to really carry the show this week. Um, He's got about a 20-minute segment about the seven things that the Broncos need to do in the offseason. It's really, really good. I think he totally nails um, the priorities that this organization should have. Honestly, I don't have that much I want to talk about. Uh, Obviously, I watched the game um, this this last week against Detroit. Uh, Detroit's not a good team. They're banged up. And honestly, at this point, they probably don't really want to win. They're looking for a high draft pick. Their coach may not be there after this year, et cetera, et cetera. 
So the win in itself is not all that impressive, but the fact that, as we all know, Drew Locke has gone out and won several games now is is it's really awesome, and the way he does it makes us all happy, and it's a really fascinating end to the decade. When you consider the quarterbacks who've been in Denver for that decade and the coaches as well, it's really pretty incredible now to think that the Broncos are at least ending on a high note. They they started off on a, I guess you could say on a high note, and then peaked in the middle and have had kind of a crescendo, decrescendo, and are hopefully going back into that second crescendo uh, with Vic Fangio and Drew Locke, which hopefully will be a much longer one than the Broncos had with Peyton Manning in the middle of this decade. <clears throat> Obviously, the decade started back in 2010 with Kyle Orton and Tim Tebow, uh, in 2010, and then 11, Tim Tebow again, and Kyle Orton. They both had, you know, three, you know, what looks like about 15, 16 games apiece. Um, I don't need to remind too many people about the Tim Tebow era. I personally was a big Tim Tebow fan. I will always be a Tim Tebow fan. I like, I like who he is. Yeah, he can be a bit much sometimes. Maybe he's a bit mushy, but. I actually liked that about him. I appreciated that about him, and, and I liked the the fire and energy he played with. And, and heck, you know, the guy won a, a playoff game, and that that's more than can be said for you know Jay Cutler, Kyle Orton, Chris Sims, and and many of the other guys who came after. Now, obviously, after Tim Tebow and that miraculous Pittsburgh victory, Peyton Manning came in and led the team to the heights of. Awesome sauce uh, from 2012-2015. Obviously, 15, he wasn't great, but they won the Super Bowl. And then everything went downhill in a flaming fireball of glory. Uh, Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, Osweiler, Keenum, Flacco, Brandon Allen. Um, Yeah, the coaches a decade ago, believe it or not, was Josh McDaniels. Josh freaking McDaniels was the head coach in 2010. Eric Studisville finished off that year because, well, McDaniels got himself fired. John Fox then took over. And big credit to John Fox for bringing the, the team to a respectable point, um, especially when John Elway didn't help out too much with a couple of uh, questionable drafts. Um, I think John Fox was a very good leader for the team and what they needed at the time after Josh McDaniels. Now, he had a lot of questionable you know, game calling skills, etc. But I think we should all be thankful for what he brought. Gary Kubiak obviously won the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, his health gave out. Who knows what could have happened with Gary Kubiak if he had been able to remain as head coach. Vance Joseph, well, <laughs> again, we all know about Vance Joseph. Uh, in the end, uh, not a successful tenure. It was not all his fault. Everyone who listens to the show knows my feelings about that. The guy was not a good coach. Maybe will never be a good coach. But he really took far, far too much of the blame. He took all of the blame when only maybe 50% of it belonged to him. John Elway never got any of that blame. And just now in this last year or so, you're starting to get some of that trickle-down blame being pointed at John Elway. But for many years, for two years, it was only Vance Joseph. And I think that was a bit unfair. Finally, we have Vic Fangio. We've got Drew Locke. And we have hope. And it's, it's just a cool thing to be able to look at this upcoming decade, you know, this upcoming, you know, year two, five, ten, and have that hope of of something new, something fresh, something something good, and and I think that that's something that we should all appreciate. And I mean, it's something in our lives too. I mean, I'm I'm about to have a baby, and that that whole 
thought changes your life, obviously, more than, of course, a quarterback. But I think it's it's such a nice thing as a sports fan to have that hope. We have the guy, the guy that we really think can be the future of this franchise, and we have a head coach who could bring this team to the next level. Now, will he? We don't know. Will will Drew Locke be the next coming of John Elway? Who knows? But when I see him gunning that ball across the middle and, and making smart decisions and winning ball games, for goodness sake, sign me up. And and I'm I'm so happy about it. I'm so happy to be going into this new year as part of this milehighreport.com staff, or I guess as a podcasting staff, I'm not really part of their staff, but, but to even just be able to have my material published on their website, it's really a blessing for me. I really appreciate all of you who listen to me. I mean, some of you follow me on Twitter. Of course, if you're listening and not following, go to Twitter at Kevy Gillikin. That's K-E-V-V-Y-G-I-L-L-I-K-I-N. I would love to, to interact. I'd love to talk to you about the Broncos. Heck, you know, sports, Star Wars, whatever you want to talk about. I, I really enjoy you all. Some of you guys have really almost become my friends on Twitter, and I really, really greatly appreciate it. I appreciate you. Um, yeah, going into the next year, I, I think the only thing I want to say is I just want us to all, you know, let's stick together. Let, let's let's bond behind our quarterback and head coach. And I think that's something we should be excited about. We, we, we're not griping anymore. We're not fighting about who should be quarterback. We're not, you know, at each other's throats saying that, no, it should be him or it should be this guy or this guy, or you're an idiot for thinking this, etc. We don't have that anymore. We, we, we can all get together and say, Hey, look, this kid absolutely deserves one or two years. And we can all get behind that and feel really good about it. We can go into this draft and select offensive linemen or wide receivers, cornerbacks. The free agency can be focused on bringing in guys to fit behind Drew Locke and what he's going to bring to this team. And that is fantastic. And I think I'm really, really happy that at Mile High Report and everywhere else on the Broncos country horizon, we can all be, you know, this together fan base finally. And then back to where we were when we had Peyton Manning, we were, we were all just drowning in that glory that Peyton Manning brought to our franchise. And, and let's hope that Drew Locke is also going to somehow someday reach similar heights of awesomeness. That's all I've got for you. I'm going to send it over to Skipper Dude. Um, He's got a really good segment. He will finish off the show. I will see you all next week for a bit of a longer show, wrapping up the season and bringing us into the 2020 year and what we can expect moving forward. Till then, a very Merry Christmas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply
Thanks as always, Kevin. That's right, Broncos country. It is time to shut up and dance. Don't you dare. So for any of you national analysts or any other local malcontents who are still holding out hope for Tua Tagovailoa or Justin Herbert or God help us, Tom Brady or Phillip Rivers under center next year for the Denver Broncos, you can just go soak your heads at this point because the future is here and his name is Drew Locke. Now I'm recording this segment in mid-December after the Broncos 27-17 victory against Detroit, but I'm hoping it's a segment that we can replay during the spring and summer because Today, I'd like to present my seven-step plan for dancing with Drew Locke and maximizing his potential headed into the 2020 season. I think there are some themes here that we'll be discussing in quite a bit of depth and building upon during the offseason. Now, a couple of these items are going to be fairly obvious and nothing real special, but there are a couple of ideas here that if Team Elway is not already considering them, they really should. So step one of my seven-step offseason plan for Drew lock should be the most obvious of them all but it hasn't seemed all that obvious throughout broncos country give the kid the keys to the car make joe flacco disappear don't play games and announce that brandon allen is your number one coming into camp and force drew lock to take the job from him and for goodness sake don't publicly flirt with tom brady just six words is all it's going to take from Vic Fangio. Six words. This is Drew Locke's team now. Easy peasy. Don't mess it up. Don't overthink it. Just give him the keys to the car. So now step two and it is to get Drew Locke one more bona fide weapon on offense. If you look through the free agent market for receivers this coming offseason, it's not super exciting. A.J. Green, Devin Funches, Amari Cooper, and I suppose you, you can kick the tires a bit on a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. He's still young. He's been a bit of a bust in, in uh, Cleveland this year and fairly modest cap hit, $15 million a year, but honestly, I, I wouldn't get my heart set on him, but if I'm John Elway, perhaps I go out and offer a third and a fifth rounder and see if the, if the Browns want a bite. But more likely, I think, is that the Broncos will go wide receiver in the first round of the draft. The prize wide receiver of the draft, Jerry Judy from Alabama, is going to be off the board by the time the Broncos pick at 12 or 13. But I'd have no problem whatsoever going with either LaVisca Cheneau Jr. from CU or with C.D. Lamb from Oklahoma. One of those two should be available for the Broncos. If not, then perhaps you trade back in the first round and target a home run threat like Jalen Rieger from TCU or Henry Ruggs III from Alabama. Especially with Ruggs, that 4-2 game-breaking speed is tantalizing, but the guy's going to have to figure out how to beat NFL press man coverage because he's going to—he's not going to mount to anything unless he does. But the thinking here is that when you have a quarterback with a big arm like Drew Locks, you need to get him plenty of downfield threats, or else you're committing the grave offense, as we like to call it in the in the business world, of buying a Lamborghini to drive to the supermarket. So a guy like Lamb or Cheneau or even Rieger or Ruggs will be more valuable for a team like the Broncos than they would be for, say, the Chargers or the Raiders, who don't. Have have quarterbacks with the same arm strength that you have with Drew Locke. So 
Priority number three is what I'm calling a strategic summit. Now, given the talent you're going to have at the skill positions in this offense, I really believe that you need to put as many great minds as you can find on figuring out how to best maximize that talent. So in my opinion, John Elway needs to have, say, a five-day retreat somewhere at a posh resort and invite the heaviest hitters you can find. Elway and Fangio, Scangarello, Donatello, and Munchak obviously, but also guys like Mike Shanahan, Peyton Manning, Tom Moore, and also some great defensive minds like Rex Ryan and, and, and even Wade Phillips that the Rams would let him attend. Perhaps even some college guys like Jim Harbaugh and Lincoln Riley. Get together and talk about the future of NFL offenses and defense, but most importantly, how the Broncos can leverage their current talent stack to the destruction of NFL defenses. And also get a feel for what NFL defenses are likely to do to try to stop them. The guest of honor, of course, would be Rich Gangarello. And ideally, he'd be mostly asking questions and taking notes. Over those few days, I, I feel certain the Skangs would have some light bulbs go on, and he'd then go back and update his playbook. Now, he's obviously not going to just rip and replace the old one, but, but he should be able to update his route trees a bit, maybe add some little wrinkles to existing plays, and then add another 10 to 20 plays, retire some obsolete plays, and get that playbook completely optimized for the talent he has to work with. Priority number four, then, is for the coaching staff to do some similar soul-searching with its defensive philosophy. Now, what I really love about the Vic Fangio defense is that it's rooted in timeless fundamentals, tackling, communication, speed, and intelligence. So, obviously, nothing at that root level is going to change, nor is the personnel. Vic is going to be Vic. But I think Fangio needs to give some thoughts on how he wants to support defensively what could be an extreme extremely potent offense in the years to come. Do you want a defense that is more stingy and conservative, like the Broncos 2015 defense, or do you want one that is more risk-seeking and aggressive? Now, I think the two-dimensional answer is that if you have an offense that can win you football games, then all you need is a defense that won't lose those games. So keep the defense conservative, right? But as you look at it more three-dimensionally, I think you see a different picture. With a potent offense and a conservative defense, what are teams going to do? They're going to game plan to play keep away, especially when they're playing in Denver. And if your defense is stingy, you might get your share of three and outs, but you're also probably going to give up your fair share of 15 play, 10 minute type scoring drives and take the ball out of Drew Locke's hands, which is exactly what you don't want to happen. Vic Fangio has some precedent here. Believe it or not, his 2018 Bears defense was only ranked number eight in yards allowed, but they had a monster 27 interceptions. The Dolphins had 21 and no other team had more than 18. And that Bears offense was below league average. So it was the game-breaking ability of the defense that helped lead the Bears to a 12-4 and record and a playoff berth. So with a potentially pro prolific offense at your back, do you start giving guys like Devontae Bosby and Bryce Callahan more leeway to jump routes? Do you give Alexander Johnson more autonomy to blow through an A gap if he sees the chance? Do you let your defensive linemen blow through gaps and disrupt the backfield rather than purely reading and reacting in a two-gap look? Do you get more aggressive and try to break the other team's spirit by focusing 
focusing more on getting big plays because you know you have a larger margin for error, or do you keep things conservative? It's not exactly like John Elway needs to tell Vic Fangio that this is something he needs to ponder during the offseason because I expect it's already the type of thing that will, that will probably cause Vic Fangio to lose sleep at night. Priority number five, then, is something that I talked about recently, and that has to do with changing the front office and locker room mentality from a talented, potentially good team where they are now to a cold-blooded killer with Super Bowl aspirations. Tactically, you need to get the Kansas City Chief monkey off your back and beat them at least once next year if you're serious about being a champion. But strategically, it starts with an old nemesis from this year, which is the approach to second half offenses. Their need to be timid at times. And, and with Joe Flacco at a quarterback, this team simply did not have the leadership or the energy of a champion. That all changed with Drew Locke, but they killer spirit needs to start in the offseason with the way this team views itself. Fangio especially needs to step that up and start thinking like a champion. Don't just outlast teams like they did for most of the first part of this year. Destroy them, burn their fields, and then sow their fields under with salt. Don't let up until they cry uncle. Okay, now priority number six is to work on the development of Drew Locke himself. Certainly, he needs some work learning to set his feet better before he throws. Or does he? When you're gifted with his arm strength, you can make throws that other quarterbacks simply can't make off-platform. And where you'd rather see him throwing with his feet planted, I'm not sure just how much you need to emphasize it. He may just be able to get away with some sloppy footwork, but he really does need to take that that awful fourth quarter interception that he threw against Kansas City off his back foot, and he needs to take that pass out of his arsenal. You can also tell from watching game film that Drew Locke is struggling with his pre-snap reads. Now, no more than any other rookie quarterback, and probably less than most veterans, or many veterans at least, but, but he's struggling nonetheless. It's an exceedingly difficult skill when modern defenses are built, and often brilliantly so, specifically to disguise their formation. So it's no knock on Drew Locke, Drew Locke that he's struggling with it at the, at the time. During the Houston game, I want to say it was like the second quarter, Locke ran a little quick little button hook to, to Noah Fan, hit him for a short game. On that play, Cortland Sutton ran an out pattern to the left and was wide open. Now, realistically, it would have taken a Jedi Master level of pre-snap read to have abandoned Fan and throw to his backup option in, in uh, Cortland Sutton. You wouldn't expect that out of most veterans, much less a rookie playing in a second game. But guys, this is where Peyton Manning comes in. The dude is still closely affiliated with the Broncos, and he appears to have talked with Drew Locke a couple of times already after games. You can be pretty certain that Peyton's probably said something along the lines of, listen, if you ever want to discuss some of the finer points of the game, just let me know. Well, John Elway, Drew Locke, let him know. The answer is yes, absolutely, whatever it takes. See what you can do to have Peyton Manning explain and describe it and teach the chess match of the pre-snap read to Drew Locke. The kid appears to have the intelligence 
for it. If you think on a scale of one to 10, on the ability for pre-snap reads, with Peyton Manning being a 10 and Paxton Lynch being like a zero or a minus one, then Drew Locke is probably a three or a four currently who projects out to a six with experience above average. If you can push that six to even a seven or a seven and a half with Peyton Manning's tutoring, then you're very reasonably adding a win a year, if not even a win and a half to two. It's a huge deal if he's able to master the pre-snap read. So finally, priority number seven for this offseason, and this seems pretty obvious, but it's more meaningful now that it might sound on the surface, is to win now. Drew Locke is going to be headed into a second year of his four-year rookie contract. That's going to give you a three-year win-now window behind a young rookie on a cheap rookie contract, and Kevin says it all the time that this is one of the two ways to win in the NFL, either the, the cheap rookie rookie contract with quarterback or the legendary quarterback. Now let's discuss that for just a minute. Back in 2013-2014, John Elway got into win-now mode with Peyton Manning and had a great free agent class in 2013, if you remember, with Wes Welker and Luis Vasquez, Terrence Knighton, and Dominic Rogers Cromartie. But he went loopy with his drafting, especially in 2014, when I think he started looking for guys who could have immediate impact, and he ended up absolutely striking out with Bradley Roby, Cody Latimer, and Michael Schofield. So when I say win now, I don't mean looking for draft picks that can help the team win right away. In fact, I'm thinking just the opposite. Whatever Magic Team Elway figured out in 2018 and 2019, drafting for character, not getting fixated on positional needs, things like that, they need to continue that onto the 2020 draft because the recipe right now is a huge success. But to the extent that you have holes to fill, with the exception of the wide receiver two upgrade that we discussed above, I'm thinking your best bet is to fill them either by trade or more likely free agency. Beyond your first round of the draft, you're just not likely to find many Dalton Risers out there who can come in and contribute meaningfully as rookies. So realistically, your rookies are likely to be depth kinds of guys and not ones from whom you're, you're going to be look for a ton of productivity in 2020. If you're looking for big 2020 contributors, look at this year's rookie class. Guys like Noah Fant and Dremont Jones and Justin Hollins. Those are the guys who are likely to be your surprise impact players beginning next year, much like Cortland Sutton has been this year. For the Broncos, that means right guard for certain, a rebuild of your defensive line almost from scratch, and perhaps a third cornerback for depth. Probably, you know, they, they, they need some quick upgrades from current NFL level talents, and you're not going to want to get that from rookies. And oh my goodness, if the hushed rumors about the Broncos perhaps signing Joe Schobert, who is rolling off his rookie contract in Cleveland, are true, then go. Get them. Even if you have to overpay, you've got the money. Can you even imagine Simmons, Kareem Jackson, Alexander Johnson, and Joe Schobert patrolling the middle of the field for you? Oh, my stars. That's amazing to even think about. So item number seven in my list of things the Broncos need to do to help Drew Locke is to get into win-now mode. Fill your player personnel holes aggressively via free agency in the trade market if need be, and use the same approach to the draft that 
that you've had the past two years, but only to build depth, not expecting productivity in 2020. So Kevin, one of the things I think people don't appreciate is that with a very, very rare exception like a John Elway or a Peyton Manning, quarterbacks don't become great in a vacuum. It takes an organization to create a great quarterback. It takes a quarterback with not only physical skills, but also the it factor, but it also takes a front office that knows how to surround him with the right talent, an offensive coordinator who can design a system around his strengths and help him mature at a natural pace, and a head coach who knows how to best to play to the quarterback's ego. When does he need patience? When does he need praise? When does he need a kick in the pants? It will be, it'll take a commitment from the Broncos from top to bottom, literally, to turn Drew Locke into the quarterback that we all believe he can become. Four games into the Drew Locke era of Denver Broncos football, or five games if you're listening to a rebroadcast of this segment, it's obvious that he has all the raw tools to be great, perhaps even a Hall of Fame great, and not just the tangible tools like arm strength and foot speed, but also the intangible tools like intelligence and the drive for excellence. But news alert, so did Cam Newton, so did Andrew Luck, so does Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, so do lots of quarterbacks. What needs to happen now is the Denver Broncos organization, all the way from Brittany Boland down to TC McCartney, needs to get on the same page and actually make that greatness happen. And it all starts this January, Kevin. That's when this greatness is either going to start to bear fruit or start to die in the vine because it's a holistic process. And next season is when we, the fan base, will begin to see whether we're going to be dancing in the streets for a generation to come or singing the blues. 